You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We've basically got two options. We either can choose to hide our kids from the things of this world, or our kids are going to hide things from us. What's my kids being exposed to? And how can I help my kids understand that this culture that they are trying to make normative is not normative? Dear young married couple, as young married parents raising a five and six year old in our postmodern cultural climate, especially here in California, I'm often appalled at what the world is feeding them. It's easy to get intimidated and feel like we have little resources to defeat the woke ideology with which the world strategically attempts to indoctrinate them. Today's conversation with author Jordan Fry gave me so much more confidence though. Jordan not only shares about the children's books he's written to defeat transgenderism, pluralism, uh, the LGBTQ agendas, he also gives practical tips on guided reading with our children and the importance of being aware of the culture in which we're raising our children. Jordan is the author of four children's books and one scholarly read for adults. He's also the student pastor at FPC in Anderson, Indiana, and he's the founder of Truth Book Company. He and his wife, Kate, are passionate about raising godly children, and that passion really shines through in this interview that I had with him today. Welcome, Jordan, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. For sure. Well, we're excited to jump into this topic. It's so needed. Um, parents, young married couples, a lot of them are parents and a lot of them feel ill-equipped when it comes to resources and approaches for discipling our children around woke ideology in sure. our society. So first talk to us a little bit about why you and your wife were motivated to start thinking along these lines uh, a few years back when you started uh, this ministry and business of yours. Absolutely. I'll try and give the expedited version because it can quickly delve into a long story. Okay. Um, but the first book that we launched, the first kids book, Male and Female Created He Them, whenever we released that, uh, we didn't have anything about Truth Book Company in mind. There was no Truth Book Co. Kids. Um, it just started with that first book. So early in 2023, we found out that we were pregnant again. Uh, we had lost two pregnancies before this. Um, but when we found out we were pregnant again, you know, you do the thing when you're expecting a baby, you start trying the dad hat on and all the different things you have to think about and get ready. So that's kind of mm -hmm. where my headspace was. And then we got into May and my pastor had preached a, a Mother's Day sermon that 
really worked me over. He preached uh, the faith of a mother, and he had told this story. Um, he was preaching out, and a lady had come up to him and began to tell the story about her son, who's in middle school. Of course, he you know left out all the personal details about this story, but he he was telling the story in the sermon um, about how this uh, middle school aged boy had been uh, wetting the bed every night, which is not a yeah. you know, normal thing for a middle school aged boy to to be doing. Right. And so every night, about two, three o'clock in the morning, he'd slip out to the laundry room and try to dry his sheets. And then this, you know, kind of continued for several weeks. And, you know, after, after a while, you're going to pick up something's a little off. You just keep drying sheets every night. So one of the nights his uh, mother had come in and had found him in the laundry room. and was like, you know, baby, what you, what's going on? What, what are you doing? And he just, he just broke and mm -hmm. started crying and began to tell his mom that at his middle school, at his public middle school, um, there were some boys that had been basically dragging him off to one of the restrooms and sexually abusing him. And this was happening like almost every single day. So my pastor was telling the story and he made this statement at the end of the story. He said, we, we've basically got two options. We either can choose to hide our kids from the things of this world or our kids are going to hide things from us. And that, yep. that was working me over. And I'm thinking about, yep. you know, we're getting ready to have a kid. Um, we're only a couple of weeks out from, the anniversary of losing our second pregnancy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a Sunday. And on Monday, uh, my wife and I were to meet my family for Mother's Day dinner. So we went out to the West Side of Indianapolis and we're sitting at this little coffee shop and all of this is you know, going around my head. Okay. And this can sound kind of crazy um, to people who maybe aren't Christian or who don't you know, really believe that God speaks or moves uh, you know, in our lives in a personal way. But I felt impressed sitting at this coffee shop to write a kid's book called male and female created he them. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, I don't, I don't know anything about, about writing a kid's book, about illustrating kid's book. Um, a year before this, I had published my first, you know, full length manuscript, but it was nothing in this realm. Okay. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know, let's give it a shot. So I kind of zone in, I, I pull my laptop out, start kind of working on a couple of things. And I, I wish I had video recording of that afternoon of my wife kind of looking around the computer and just asked me, she goes, what, a, what you focused on over there? What you working on? And I said, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm writing a kid's book called Male and Female Created He Them. <laughs> and she's like, oh, um, cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll be with you in a second. I, I go back and, and keep working on it. Uh -huh. And from there, it was a really quick work. So, you know, wow. this is early May and uh, it, it came together very quickly. And June 1st was the one year anniversary of when we found out we lost our second pregnancy. So oh, okay. um, we launched the book on June 1st, you kind did. of you know, oh, in, honor, in honor of um, losing that baby. And this mm. book was dedicated to our son, Jameson. And honestly, this sounds crazy, um, but honest to goodness, we did not realize until after we had posted um, that we just coincidentally had posted on the first day of Pride Month. Oh, wow. A book yeah, titled Male true. and Female <laughs> Created He Them. So I think God's hand was in it. Um, and after we um, posted that initial video, it kind of started to take off. Uh, we quickly realized we have just scratched the surface of the mm -hmm. material um, that needs to be produced and needs to be published. So that uh, was starting to um, think in the direction of, okay, Truth Book Company and starting uh -huh. to produce the, this material more frequently. Oh, wow. That's the short version. Uh, as short as I can love make it. it. I want to hear the long version at some point. That is incredible. <laughs> what a story. And and the timing of it all. Like it's yes. obviously God ordained both personally for you and then on a global scale. The fact that it was during 
Pride Month, the first day of Pride Month. Right. Have right. you gotten any kickback from the world? Just saying you, this is yeah. ridiculous to publish a book like this. You know, that's um, that's the kickback we've <laughs> we've gotten. There's um, you know, anytime that you are going to take a stand for something, particularly in a digital space, yeah. um, there are a lot of different kinds of people from very different kinds of walks of life that yeah. occupy that digital space. Um, so this is a terrible joke, but this is kind of the joke that we've uh, um, had running since we launched everything. Um, it's that we haven't got any death threats yet, so our audience must not be big enough. And that's just because <laughs> so, it's you know, coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, we we get the the mean comments, nasty messages, so on and so forth. Uh, you know that I heard something. I don't know if you've ever heard the name Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. Um, he he's not um in the the Christian thought space whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So this is it's funny the language he used, um, kind of how it coincides with some of our uh, vernacular. Uh -huh. But I was listening to a seminar he was given, um, just about um, the digital space in general, and he made this statement. He said, "You know, I figured out a long time ago that social media comment sections were not a good place for convincing." <laughs> he said, "I I post based on my conviction." And uh -huh. people who resonate with it resonate with it, and people who don't, they don't. Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of our philosophy with Truth Book Co. and Truth Book Co. Kids. Nice. We're going to post based on the Word of God. We're going to keep producing material closely, closely tied to the Word of God. And if people yeah. don't resonate with it, ultimately, the issue is not with me. The issue is with the Word because we're producing material based on the Word. Mm -hmm. Whew. Amen. That's you're preaching there. <laughs> that's awesome well you got to preach to yourself to keep going through the, <laughs> through yeah the comments stay and the encouraged right absolutely but i mean for every critic you probably have so many parents saying oh yes. my goodness this is helping me empower my kids talk to us absolutely. a little bit about first male and female created he them and then we'll go okay. through uh because now you have five children's books and they all yes, help uh, equip your children to defeat woke ideology. So yes. talk about the first one and we'll, we'll kind of cycle through all five of them. Sure. So kind of the philosophy, what, what has made our books kind of different is there are a lot of kids books out there that, um, can teach biblical stories. You know, there's books out there about Adam and Eve, about Noah's Ark, um, about David and Goliath, you know, all the biblical stories. What, what we have tried to do, uh, with our books is instead of telling the biblical story with the implied values, mm -hmm. we've tried to flip that as okay. we come right out of the gate with the values that we're trying to teach. And we use the biblical stories to um, showcase and uphold those values. So the mm -hmm. first book um, isn't titled Adam and Eve and the garden, right? The first book is titled male and female created he them, but nice. the story is how God created everything, how he created the birds in the sky, a he and a she. He created the fish in the sea, a he and a she. He created the cattle, a he and a she. And it goes through how God created everything, male and female. And then it goes into the story of how he created Adam, a he. And then Adam needed a helpmate, so God made for him a she. And so we are using this fundamental value in the word that male and female created he them. And then we are using the biblical story to tell the, the story of those values. So that, that was, um, the, that, that's, uh, was the initial kind of thought that, that, um, provoked the first book. And we've used that same framework for the rest of our books. That's beautiful. 
That is really cool. I love that. And it's um, it's neat because it captures uh, and it's beautifully illustrated, too. But um, the, the words and the illustrations really capture children's attention. We actually have the book Male and Female Created He Them. And it's yes. perfect for my kids. Uh, my kids are five awesome. and six. And I would say even younger than that can benefit from it. Um, sure. What would you say the, the age, the target age group is for your books? That's a that's a great question, and it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. We um there's a review I believe it's on um the first rainbows left on the first rainbow on Amazon. Uh, somebody had said we bought this book for our two year old, and we went in to grab it and found our nine year old um reading it. So we had to wait for them to you know finish reading it so we could read it to our two year old. Um, but Love we've that. been very particular in how we've structured the books. Um, mm -hmm. we. We like to say that we have left uh, space for the story between the pages. So the way we have structured and written these manuscripts is we intend um, the most beneficial way to read them is guided reading with your children. Talk about guided reading. This is okay. a, a very good philosophy for discipling our children to defeat woke sure. ideology. So give us some sure. instruction on guided reading. Guys, the Eros tour has begun. People are calling it a tour and we liked it, so we're rolling with it now. So the first stop on the Eros tour was in Indianapolis where hundreds of couples came together. It was beautiful. They were working on creating a more passionate and intimate marriage, really the kind of marriage that God intends for all of us to experience. Listen to what Whitney had to say on Instagram. She said this, the Eros conference by Dear Young Married Couples surpassed my hopes this weekend and my hopes were high because I love those guys. We love you too, Whitney. We love you. She said, Adam and Krista packed every single second of the conference with information, resources, encouragement, and even some beautiful godly conviction. The way they combined scripture with science and research was flawless. My husband and I both started crying at the first exercise. She goes on to say, in this season, we need strong, healthy, flourishing marriages more than ever. Marriages that reflect Christ in the church. Marriages that lead to sanctification. Marriages that are passionate and fun. I mean, we discussed some pretty spicy things that were in Song of Solomon, so it's safe to say that God is not wanting anyone to have a boring marriage. We love that, Whitney. We want to give you those tools, insights to help you navigate this tricky subject and help you assess where you are now and empower you as a couple to get to where God is calling you in your marriage, your sex life, and your calling. Yes, come join us, guys. The Gulf Coast in Biloxi, Mississippi, June 21st and 22nd. You can even just make it a getaway for the two of you. Um, you can fly into New Orleans, take a beautiful coastal drive over to Biloxi. Uh, it's only like an hour and a half. And then just set your marriage up for success. Go register now at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com slash eros or just hit the link in the show notes. We'll see you there. Right, so... This, um, whether it just kind of happened as an afterthought of the initial idea of how we were going to structure the manuscripts or, or whether this was more intentional, um, we wanted to write our books very closely mirroring the word. Mm -hmm. I didn't want any, anybody to be able to say, well, you're just pushing dogma through, through the book. So okay. we have been very intentional that what is in our books is very closely associated and pulled from the word. So yeah. what we have done is we have hit the high points of the story and we have left space between the pages for the parents to be able to 
um, draw those cultural connections for their children. Nice. So male and female created he them. You know, we aren't coming right out with uh, a bludgeoning stick, just trying to beat dogma, beat the culture over the head. What we have done is we have provided parents with the high points of the story so that parents can sit down with your children and to whatever age they're at, they're ready for, for different instruction, whether it's a sure. three-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, they, and whether they're in public school in private school, what, what they've been exposed to is different. So mm -hmm. as the parent, we encourage people to sit down with our books, with your children, and to be able to go into the story even more in depth than what we do on the pages. You know, the, the illustrations contain more information than just the, the rhyme on the one page. So mm -hmm. you have the space and opportunity to go more in depth with your kids to make those cultural connections. So we very much encourage when you're reading our books, one of the, the way to get the most out of that time with your children is that guided reading, sitting there with your kids, guiding them through the story. And we are um, presupposing that you as the parent are coming to the book with the full knowledge of the biblical story. Right. Sure. So yep. one of the, the critiques we got on the first rainbow, um, we had somebody send us a message, say, uh, I'm not comfortable. They had helped promote one of the other books, uh, but they said, I'm not comfortable promoting this book because in the first rainbow, you don't tell the story of why God flooded the earth. Oh, interesting. And, and the response was, okay, okay, no, fair enough, but this isn't the story of the flood. This is the story of the first rainbow. And we are presupposing you as the parent are coming to the story with the knowledge of the word and you can fill in the gaps sure. that the story leaves. Yeah, that's crucial. Okay. So before we get to the first rainbow and the other four books, um, sure. tell us a little bit more about guided reading for the parent who says, I feel lost, um, okay. coming to the conversation with my kids. I just want to read the book as if it's a mm. script and I don't know what to say to fill in the blanks. Even if they have knowledge of the biblical story, they're just kind of stuck on what to say. Can you give some guidance to that parent? Sure. You know, I think um, part of our duty as parents is to be aware of the cultural context that our kids are growing up in. Yeah. Um, I preached um, a message last Wednesday night to our church family um, called a strange altar for our children. Mm -hmm. And the, the kind of crux of that message was talking about the kids who were growing up on the other side of Jordan. There were two and a half tribes that didn't want to go into the promised land. They chose to live on the other side of Jordan okay. and their children were growing up in a very different environment than those children who were growing up. Um, on the side of Jordan near Shiloh, near the tabernacle. And um, I think it's um, part of our duty and responsibility as parents to be aware of what is around our children. What is our children being exposed to? Mm -hmm. uh, we have released several reels, um, several different pieces of content on our Truth But Co. Kids platform showing some of the books that are being made available to our children. Um, and it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, some of the material that our kids have available that is promotion, promoting this woke ideology, promoting um, transgenderism, mm -hmm. homosexuality, uh, freely available to children. And I think it's part of our duty as parents to educate ourselves on what are my kids being exposed to and what do I need to tell them 
um, the differences between the biblical culture that is established for us that we are supposed to have versus the culture that is surrounding them. Um, and it does take, like you said, it does take a little bit more work. It does take a little bit more uh, legwork and preparation. Um, but I do think it's part of our duty to educate ourselves. What's what's my kids being exposed to? Mm -hmm. And how can I help my kids understand that this culture that they are trying to make normative yeah. is not normative? Right. Um, I was showing some it's not it, it, speaking of normative. It's not normative to show um, tables and charts during a message. Um, but I put a, a chart up on the a screen last midweek service, and it was showing the rate of um, people who identify with LGBTQ community um, okay. across generations. So you have you know Generation X, the Baby Boomers, Sound Generation, and then Generation Z is literally off the charts mm. of people of ki kids who are identifying. <laughs> as LGBTQ. What is the percentage and, for Gen Z? Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, I believe it was 20.8 was oh the percentage um, versus if you go to like uh, the silent generation and generation X was 4.2%. Wow. So literally off the chart. And if you begin to look at what the researchers are saying about that data, they mm -hmm. are, um, there was a guy named Mr. Jones, I believe it was from the Gallup poll. Um, he said, we have to realize that children are growing up in a very different environment. Mm -hmm. And the researchers were saying that by the time um, this Generation Z, the kids right now in that poll were, it was 2023, I believe it was. He said by the time these kids who are 16, 18, once they reach 18 and can actually be counted in this poll, we expect these numbers to go higher because the landscape that they've grown up in is very different. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that as parents, the landscape is very different in our school systems than what we grew up in. Yep. It is very, very different. And that's part of our duty as parents to, to teach our kids, hey, what they are trying to make normative, according to the word of God, it is not normative. That's right. Yeah. So the landscape is different. In other words, your children are being persuaded to yes. adopt these ideologies and to identify as... Right something that's that's made up um you know in, in terms of a cultural schema yeah wow yeah that's that's an interesting stat from four percent up to 20 percent yeah it's literally off the charts they had to zoom the chart out to be able to to fit the data in the chart i mean it's wow. it's incredible how um persuasive a society can be when they begin to make things normative at a young age for children mm -hmm. that's right yeah all right well, let's take a turn here and go to um, the rainbow, the first rainbow book. Okay. Tell us um, the heartbeat behind that. So we had the, the male and female created he them, which was about yep. gender and sex. And then we get to the rainbow, which is about affinity. Tell us about that. Yes. So the first rainbow um, was actually birthed out of some conversations that I had with uh, evangelist Taylor Fish. Okay. So shout out to Brother Fish for, for helping out with the title on that one. Nice. Um, but the idea of the first rainbow um, was trying to identify another point that the world is trying to, to redefine normative on, right? Mm -hmm. So male and female created he them was meant to push back on this idea that you can be either or, you can be both, you can be neither. Like, no, no, no. The word says this is how God design things to be male and female. So the second point that we wanted to push back on 
was the this culture that is trying to take the symbol of the rainbow, this sacred covenant sign, and trying to assign their own agenda to it, yep. which I think is one of the, the most utmost forms of blasphemy that you can do is to take this sacred sign that God placed in the heavens outside of the reach of man mm -hmm. that man can't manipulate, that man has no control over and say, no, no, this is our banner of pride and our banner of lasciviousness. It's, it's, it's insane. So yeah. the first rainbow is meant to teach kids the original meaning of the rainbow. So we tell, <coughs> pardon me, we tell briefly the story of the flood. We tell um, the story of uh, the animals going into the ark and coming out on the other side of the flood of what the rainbow was there for. So we don't spend a lot of time on the flood, as we, we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Maybe we should have, uh, arguably. <laughs> um, but we, we want to teach kids that God placed the rainbow in the sky as a reminder of his love and his promises. That's right. So when you see a rainbow, you should associate it with the goodness of God, that God is promising a, a righteous family, mind you, that Noah was righteous in his generation. He's perfect in his generation. The, the King James Version says um, that this was a covenant made with a family that loved God, that loved morality, and this was a sign of a covenant with them. This is not a banner of pride. This is a reminder of covenant, and that is the message we're trying to teach with the first rainbow. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that it's highlighting God's affinity toward us as righteous people. Well, yes. toward Noah and his family as righteous right. people and not some affinity that someone has toward another person of the same right. sex. In that book, do you actually highlight um, the distinction between like what the rainbow, the first rainbow actually meant versus what the world has made it to mean? Or do we only stick with how the, the biblical characterization of the rainbow is laid out? Right. So that, that goes back to um, the guided reading idea. So the book itself um, follows very closely to the biblical um, understanding of what the rainbow is supposed to mean. And we leave the room there for okay. parents to, to teach kids, you know, this, you know, the world is trying to, to manipulate the rainbow, but this scripturally is what the rainbow means and what it has meant for thousands of thousands oh, of years. This is yes. what is normative for the rainbow. So yes, we stick closely um, to the scriptural understanding of the rainbow. Yeah, that's really good. I love that concept of empowering the parent to be aware of their child's age and stage and then to fill in the blanks in the guided reading with age and stage appropriate commentary and questions. Right. Right. That's what, um, I don't know if you're familiar with our having the talks card deck and curriculum, mm. but it's all about parents asking their children questions. It's not a curriculum to teach them sex ed necessarily, but it's sure. for them to have guided conversations that are age and right. stage appropriate. So it's just prompting I them. Love it. And yeah. that's what your book does. It prompts them, the, all your books, it prompts the parent to have these guided conversations with their child based on the biblical Absolutely. narrative. Right, right. And again, it's pushing back against... Um, Kids are growing up, especially if they're in a public school setting, and you know, communities are different. Some are pushing this he more heavily than others, although even in the somewhat rural-ish rural uh, area of Anderson, 15 minutes from us is schools fighting the same thing. So it's, it's mm -hmm. getting pretty pre prevalent. Um, but the idea of showcasing an alternative to what current culture is showing as normal. 
That's the whole point is I I'm not going to fight them point for point, but I do want to showcase according to biblical culture. Here's what is normal. Well, you're taking John 17 for face value, right? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You want to make something more holy, wholesome, whole, just sanctify it through truth. And his word is that truth. Absolutely. Hence truth book company. Which is where the whole idea came from, right? Is Love this it. is the truth. They're not is there's not your truth, my truth, their truth, them's truth, Z's truth. It is the <laughs> truth and it's the word the word of God. So good. Okay, take us to book number three. Okay, so book number three, um, the next thing that we wanted to to push back against was um this idea that if you are not happy in your body that you can go through surgical procedures to become who you were supposed to be. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm not thrilled with that narrative. I'm not thrilled with uh, surgeons um, chopping up children to try and make them something else. I'm not thrilled about all of that. Yeah. Uh, so our third book was uh, called titled In God's Image. And this book was a little bit different from our first two in so much that it focuses, uh, it's more targeted towards young girls. Okay. Um, the imagery in the book is targeted towards um, young girls. And it doesn't um, follow a particular story per se, but we try to extrapolate the, the spirit of the word in that kids, you are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the way you were supposed to be, that's how God made you to be. You don't have to go through anything else. You don't have to go through these procedures. The way you were made, that's how God made you. If you were made as a young lady, God intended for you to be a young lady. If you were made as a young man, God intended you to be a young man. And the book walks through um, basically a a defense of why you are made in God's image. Beautiful. That's really neat. Talk to us about why you decided, I don't know if it's you and your wife together, deciding that it would be more geared toward young ladies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, you know, um, I, you, you can look at data, and I don't have the specific numbers um, off the top of my head. Um, perhaps is more anecdote, a- a- anecdote that I heard more stories about young ladies going through some of these procedures. It was also partly an experiment for Truth Book Company um, to try and niche down even a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just kind of one of those things when I started working on this, the script and the way the artwork was coming together, it it felt like a more cohesive message to be able to focus it more on young ladies. Okay. And we're going to have, you know, other books, um, focus more on young men and, and that, but this was kind of one of those first deals where, um, the message seemed fitting to focus it for, for young ladies. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Do you and your wife co-author each of the books? Um, I know the first one you guys co-authored, right? Yes. So um, Caitlin has been a huge help in acting as a a sounding board um, for the script. So generally it's um, I'm putting together kind of, uh, you know, the rough draft and we go back and forth on this part makes sense. This part doesn't make sense. And the first book we actually um, 
sent the rough draft out to eight or nine families and got their feedback. And there nice. were some places where was over, there, there was some overlap. And it was funny. One of the pages talks about um, he named the the all the animals from big to small, from the towering giraffes to the ants that crawl. And we had the giraffes in the in the image, but there weren't ants in the image. And um, one of the families we had sent it out to, they had, I believe he was three or four, um, and she had recorded her reading the book to him. And he's like, where's the ants? Where's the ants? So I'm like, that's good feedback, kid. Fair enough. So we added love ants it. to it. So, I yeah, love yeah. the feedback. That's great. Yes. Yes. So that she's been a huge help in back and forth on, you know, does, does this artwork make sense? Does this part of the script make sense? So she has been a huge help in that aspect. Okay. Awesome. Do all your books rhyme? I know male and female does. So all the kids books, um, we have kept, um, some kind of rhyming, um, structure. Okay. Um, we, we don't always settle into a consistent meter. Um, I, I tend to break meter just for the fun of breaking meter. Um, but we do try and, and, and keep some kind of a rhyming structure throughout the books. Yeah. I love it. Well, and my kids love it too, because it helps them memorize it. It helps yes. them stay engaged, you know, yes. the, the rhythm, their, their brain just, uh, is more engaged when there's that. Rhyming Absolutely. Rhythm. We have found, um, the, it, uh, memorization is a huge part of it. Kids have had a lot easier time retaining the information because of the rhyming scheme. So that's one of the reasons we have kept it through all five books so far. Nice. I love that. Okay. Take us to book number four. Yeah. Book number four, um, again, focusing on let's, um, promote truth. Let's have a book to teach our kids truth. We had a conversation. Um, I think it was shortly after the first book came out, um, with a young couple in our church, um, who was uh, teaching uh, their little daughter um, how to count, you know, they're doing all the counter exercises and they were trying to teach her, um, you know, that our God is one, that uh -huh. God is one, the Shema, here is your Lord, our God is one Lord. And they would do all their counting and at the end they'd be like, and how many gods are there? And she'd be like, two. And they're like, no, what, what one? And so she had made the comment, you know, I wish, I wish I had a book that, you know, teaches, you know, that our God is one. So, mm -hmm. Simple enough. We took our title straight from Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Here is the Lord. Our God is one, yeah. Lord. So the next book was Our God is One, and it's a counting book. It goes from 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way to 10. Aww. And every page is Our God is One. He is not two. And then it goes into another rhyme. Our God is One. He is not three. It goes mm -hmm. into another rhyme. And then throughout the pages, we bring in, um, again, leaving space between the story, um, we bring in all these other biblical stories. So the page with five, there's five loaves and there's two fishes right there. Nice. And on the page, I think it's with six, there's um, six water pots. Um, because if you go uh, dig into the story, when Jesus turns water into wine, it mentions there are six water pots. Hmm. So we are hitting all these kind of different stories throughout the book. Oh, that's and, brilliant. Yeah. And we leave space, obviously, for the parent. Okay. Now, this story is is when jesus did this and when yeah. god did this um so that that was the premise of our god is one is every page our god is one we're, we're just going to drive that home over and over again yep yeah and that's i mean even though we would think of that as like a christian concept i think that's also part of woke ideology it's it's the sure. pluralism mentality and yeah. um you know that we anyone can be God, you know, yeah, like I am and, what I am. I am yeah. now a male. I am a female. No, there's only one. I am. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. It's, I mean, it's helping with counting. It's helping young children mm -hmm. learn the Shema that our yep. God is one. Um, but it's also defeating 
this modern idea. Well, I shouldn't say modern because it's existed since, um, you know, the, the hedons of, of the old Testament all through the new Testament, but just this idea that anyone can be God and that there are so many other gods, but no, there's one God. Right. And we are submitted to him and to his word, which is the basis for our morality, which is the basis of why we can say God created male and female. God created the first rainbow. God created us in his image. That all is funneled under our understanding of there is a God and we are submitted to him. We are not ourselves and our own gods who can self-describe any way we wish. No, we're submitted to the truth that there is one God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So now you publish other authors, uh, started with publishing your own books. Now you publish other Correct. authors and yes. book number five is by another author. Tell us about this one. Yeah. Book number five um, is by a good friend of mine, um, Dylan Jordan. He's associate pastor up in Frankfort, Indiana. Um, and he had came to me with an idea of a kid's book on prayer, which I, I love the idea. And mm-hmm. he uh, sent me his uh, rough draft and we kind of went back and forth with some edits and put some artwork together for it. Uh, so that book was launched. Um, I believe it was January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. First couple of weeks of January. Um, it's called He Hears Us. Mm-hmm. And it's um, teaching kids that every time that they pray, God hears them. That there is a God who does hear you when you pray. And that God can and will act on those prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that manuscript walks through um, just encouraging and reassuring kids um, that there is a God who will listen to you um, when you're sad, when you're down, when you need help, when you need strength. You can pray to God and he does hear you when you pray. It's mm, good. We had an episode just a few weeks back um, about prayer. And one of the things that stood out to me was the couple that we were interviewing. Um, they said, you know, when you ask your children to pray or your kids say, I want to pray today. And they say their prayer, don't, um, follow that up by doing the real prayer afterward because Mm. their prayer can be heard just like your prayer. And, um, I thought that stood out to me. And so I think we had embraced that already, but we've been more intentional about it you know, now that ever since that interview, um, and our kids love it, you know, like today I'm doing the prayer and, um, they take ownership of it and they know God hears them, you know, cause we emphasize that. So I love, I love the idea of reading a book about it. Yes. And prayer is one of those disciplines. And we posted, um, a couple of reels from our interview with, uh, Dylan about this, but it's one of those disciplines that more so is caught than it is taught. So we absolutely encourage, you know, parents to sit down and read the book with their kids, but we also encourage you to pray with your kids Mm -hmm. after you read the book. You know, it's again, part of the guided reading and guided prayer of, of let them see your love for prayer. Let them see your love for the word. And they are going to catch that um, more than just what they can read on their own in the book. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So we've been talking about discipling our children um, and empowering them, equipping them to defeat woke ideology and just using the truth, the word. Yes. Um, you are also a scholar of, uh, well, I'll, I'll call you a That's scholar. A big word. That's a I big believe, word. <laughs> I believe you are fine. just from the, the videos. I haven't read your book, but from the videos that I've heard of you um, discussing intertestamental intertestamental literature, first century Judaism, Judeo-Christian history. And you've been studying how woke ideology has infiltrated the church from the beginning of the church, the birth of the church. Um, yeah. and, and yet uh, Caesar couldn't conquer 
the church. Talk about um, this book that's for adults that you wrote before any of the children's books um, on the church. What's the title again? It's very long. I I don't blame you at all for tripping on it. So the (laughs) title is The Church That Caesar Couldn't Shut Down. There we go. And the subtitle is How Paul Prepared the Church in Philippi to Stand Against the Attacks of Antichrist. Yeah. Way too long of a title, but that is is the standing title. Yes. Okay, so talk a little bit about, I mean, just in light of what we've been discussing um, as parents needing to equip our children in the modern day and Mm post-modernity Christianity. how does this even apply all the way back to the birth of the yeah. church and before then? Yeah. So I think the main thing to that we have to understand, and one of the main things that I've learned through my studies is that a lot of the problems that we are facing today aren't necessarily new problems, right? There's always been a culture in the earth that was primarily focused on um, whether it's hedonism, um, and that culture has always stood in stark contrast to the the culture that God designed for his children, going all the way back to Abraham, being called out of Ur, and going back to Sodom and Gomorrah, a, a city and a people who prioritized hedonism and prioritized in the New Testament account um, like their, their own bellies. Like there was, there was no discipline. Mm-hmm. There, it was all about what makes me feel happy, what I want to do. I'm going to do it right now. So that culture, that, that's all the way back. You can go back to Noah, why God flooded the earth in the first place, that God saw the, the, the intention of the heart of man was wickedness continually. Mm-hmm. So there's always been a culture that from the fall of man that has been anti the culture that God has created. And particularly what my first book was identifying was the stark contrast of the culture of the church versus the culture of Rome. And um, Rome was a very, very interesting place in the the first century, particularly under Nero. Mm -hmm. So Nero was very much a Greek revivalist. He wanted to satiate the population. He was also an insane narcissist. He was a crazy, crazy person. Um, But his intention was to satiate the population through entertainment, through the Colosseums, Mm -hmm. through all sorts of pleasures. Um, It's just a complete unrestrained idea of how whatever I want to do, whatever makes you happy, just go ahead and do it. He was very much a Greek revivalist in that notion. And Paul is trying to write to the church in Philippi no, you can't do that. The culture of the church is very, very different from the culture of the world. Mm-hmm. And one, one, one of the things that I found in my Judaic studies in particular, and I, I, taught, I taught a series on this um, called A Culture for Children, is that it, when you begin to look through um, particularly the, the Levitical laws, a lot of modern Christianity wants to kind of unhitch, as, as one writer said from the Old Testament, um, and we get reading through Leviticus and we're like, this is ridiculous. Like, what, what do any of these laws have to do with us? You have to understand that the laws throughout, the, throughout Leviticus, they, aren't, they are there to create a culture. Mm-hmm. They are there to create a normative way of life. Mm-hmm. And that Good. normative way of life is a culture designed around and dedicated to children. And you find this particularly even in modern day Judaism, everything is about children from the Shabbat dinners, how, 
how everything starts, blessing the children, the, ble- the blessing of praying, the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh over young boys or mm-hmm. praying the blessing of the matriarchs of Sarah, Rebecca over, over young yeah. girls. Everything is about how can we take our culture and instill it to our children. You go through the feasts, you go through um, Shabbat, you go through all the, the holidays of Hanukkah, of all the holidays. And you begin to to read through the traditions. There's all it always comes back to. There is going to be a tradition in that um, normative process that is about transmitting the culture to children. Mm-hmm. And I think we've we've lost some of that in modern Christianity. Yeah. Is we have lost these rituals of significance that are meant to instill the culture of the kingdom mm-hmm. into our children. And if we just let our kids, and this isn't, you know, an anti-public school campaign, although we sure. do have a um, a private Christian school through our church, I'm very thankful for Christian yes. education. I'm very, very thankful for it. But if we if we allow our children, or whether it's by circumstance you have to, if your children go to public school and are babysat by the culture of the world eight hours a day, five days a week. We cannot expect a 40 minute, and this is part of my student pastor hat coming out of me. We cannot expect a 40 minute youth um, Bible class on Sunday morning Mm -hmm. to fix the normative culture that they have spent hours and hours and hours and hours in every day. So this again comes to the onus of the house. We have to create a culture in our homes that is a culture for children that instills that culture into our kids, the kingdom culture. Yeah. That's so good. Which I could ramble on that for hours and hours. My brain's (laughs) pinging a a bunch of different ways, but, but we can, we can dive any, any other aspects you want to from there. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, I think as young parents and, I'll just speak for myself, you know, people who find themselves in our shoes where we're, you know, doing business and ministry and trying to keep up with homework and lunches and house duties and all the things, um, we can forget that it's our job as parents to disciple our children in the word and even in kingdom culture that they are going to pick up on the the world in which they live even if they're in a christian school i mean my kids are in our our christian school at the church as well and i'm so grateful for that um but they're exposed to things outside of what our Mm -hmm. family believes what our values are as a family and and what we believe the kingdom culture to be and so it's it's crucial that we're constantly pouring into our children in a stronger, more effective way than the world pours into them. And the world's intentional about that. They, they are. They are very intentional about that. You know, kind of diving into um, a little bit of rabbinic thought, there's mm-hmm. a story in the Midrash um, that I, I, lo- I love this story. So there's, there's these, all these rabbis, these elders in a room, these great biblical scholars, and the question is brought up, what is a parent obligated to teach their children? Okay. Like, great, great question. Great question. So one rabbi stands up and says, um, we must teach, we are, a parent is obligated to teach his children that there is one God. You must okay. teach your children the Shema. Like, fair enough. Good answer. Another, another one stands up and, and says, well, a parent is obligated to teach their children um, to love righteousness and holiness. Good answer. Fair enough. And then another rabbi stands up and says, a parent is obligated to teach his children how to swim. Okay. And everybody's like looking around like who, in, who invited this guy? 
What do you what do you talk parents are obligated to teach children how to swim? And so, you know, the board of elders, whatever, they stand up and they say, give a defense for your answer. Why is a parent obligated to teach his children how to swim? And this is this is the response he gives. Okay. He says, a parent, I believe this is also recorded in Perke Avos, uh, Ethics of the Fathers. He says, a, a parent is obligated to teach his children those things his life may depend upon in this world or in the world to come. Oof. Wow. So a parent's obligated to teach his child to swim because his life may depend on it one day. Uh-huh. And a parent, I would say a parent is obligated to teach his children that God created them male and female because his life, his soul, his nefesh may depend on it in the world to come if he gets mm-hmm. lost in that confusion of the culture. A, a parent is obligated, of course, is a little self-serving because I run Truth Book Company, but a parent <laughs> is obligated to teach their children our God is one. Yeah. God created you in his image. Yeah. Uh to teach the meaning of the first rainbow. Why? Because their life not only will depend on it here, but it will depend on it in the world to come. Yeah. So that, I, that's one of my favorite stories. I, I love that story. It's beautiful. And it, and it's a really good demonstration of getting our priorities in order, you know, like yes. having these awesome, you know, Sunday school jingles that we teach our kids, which are great, um, right. but also teaching them things that their life may depend upon. You know, I think we underestimate our kids sometimes, mm. and I think the world has realized that and is why they are producing what we would consider adult curriculum for yeah. kids, right. and they have been putting it in elementary schools, and the church, Christian parents, conservative families, we can't just sit back and be like, oh, well, they're just not ready for that yet. Well, the world thinks they are, and we're going to have to bring a defense against it to where they are. That's exactly it. Jordan, thank you so much for your gift that you're bringing to the church and the world. Hopefully this infiltrates into the world as well. And um, so that more and more kids can be equipped to defeat the woke ideology that's being intentionally thrown at them. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I mean, this is early on in um, your your publishing company ministry and the, the books. Yeah. So there's only so much more to come from this. So thank much you. Much more work to be done. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, thank you thank so much you for so having much. me on. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Oh, for sure. Where can people find your books? Yes. Yeah, so you can find all of our um, material at www.truthbook.co. Now on Instagram, we have two pages now at truthbookcokids, which is where all of the material for our kids' um, books live. And then we have at truthbookco, which is where we are beginning to publish um, material resources curriculum for young adults and adults. But okay. all you can find information about all of it at truthbook.co. Truthbook.co. Okay. And then people yep. can also find it like on Amazon and, and Correct. retailers yes, yes. like that. So okay. truthbook.co will um, it currently redirects to Amazon. So okay. it basically is a page of links. So you can see all the books we've written and it will take you directly to Amazon for purchase. Excellent. All right. We're going to close out this episode the way we close out all of our episodes. And that's by asking you this question. Rewind okay. back to your first year of marriage. You've been married almost five years now. Yes. Yes. What advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank. Dear young married couple. Ooh, that is a that is a great question to <laughs> to end a podcast with. I would say, dear young married couple, don't forget to enjoy life and ministry together. Because mm. you can get caught up in, particularly, 
for those young couples who are involved in ministry, involved in your church, it can be very easy to get caught up in another night at 11 p.m. at the church working on this, working on that, working on this. I would say don't forget just to enjoy that time together, whether it's working in the kingdom, whether it's in your home, wherever you are. Don't don't forget to enjoy all those little moments together. Awesome. Love that advice. Thanks so much, Jordan. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you so much. You need more connection in your marriage. So we created a free download for you called the top three ways to connect. We created this after working with literally thousands of people just like you who said, I really crave a deeper and more meaningful bond with my spouse. You can get this recipe for connection by following the link below. Also, if you want some more personalized help or counseling, just shoot us a text 916-678-1797. You can also go to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com for more info. And we'll see you next week.